Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I'm Dr. Lee Frame, Program Director of the Integrative Medicine Programs here at GW. And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the Office's Administrative Director. Today, we're going to talk about nutrition education with Susan LaLachure, Doctor of Public Health, MPH, PAC, a professor in the Department of PA Studies here at GW. Dr. LaLachure has more than 35 years of clinical experience in primary care, HIV, AIDS, and infectious disease. She's the section director for the GWPA program's clinical medicine gastroenterology section and the driving force behind PA Nutrition Week. Dr. Lilisher and I have worked to develop this nutrition curricula, and it is my pleasure to welcome her to the podcast. Thank you. So, Dr. Lilisher, what's a PA? Um, physician assistants practice medicine. They always work in collaboration with physicians and the medical team. Um, but we're trained in the medical model, so similar to a physician, but it's a lot shorter, and we get out there a lot quicker. And I imagine that means you have less student loan debt, so that's probably something very attractive for students out there who are thinking about what path they want to go down. It, it is, um, and so if you're not wanting to go out and start you know, your own surgical practice, it's certainly an option to consider. What is PA Nutrition Week? Well, it's really a part of the gastroenterology curriculum um, because they are studying the intestinal tract, the main job of the intestinal tract being dealing with food and getting rid of waste, getting stuff in, getting stuff out. Um, It's important that they understand a little bit about what happens to what you put in and how what you put in changes what goes on there. So a lot of new research along those lines, particularly in the microbiome, which I know you all are well aware of. Um, but there's a lot of uh, nutrition research. It's been a difficult topic to get good information on for a long time. And most, because we study in the medical model, most clinicians, PAs, NPs, and MDs, don't know a whole heck of a lot about nutrition, even though it's a major determinant of how well people live and how long our bodies last and how well we do with them. And it also provides a lot of important aspects to therapy that we could be utilizing better. Um, We do know when to refer to nutrition in some cases. A patient with diabetes or a patient with hypertension, most Clinicians would be able to tell you that a nutrition consult would be appropriate. Um, But we think it's important for them to not just send them out somewhere else, but also to know a little something about the nutrition themselves. And our students have questions about it. Right. So they can get them sort of going down the right path while they're waiting for their nutrition consult. Exactly that. And also, a lot of patients will come in and say, well, I saw this study. Mm-hmm. or I heard about this new diet, or I'd like to try this new supplement. And the if the clinician just says, well, let you go to nutrition about <laughs> that, that's not going to happen. Right, right, absolutely. And then they're probably also going to question you as, as their provider, too. Well, if they didn't know about this study, which I knew about as a non-healthcare provider, Correct. then what do they really know? So PAs are known as early adopters. Um Uh, For our listening audience, I used to work for PAs, so what I'm saying is true. (laughs) But um, did that play a part in this decision to collaborate with Dr. Frame? 
Um, for me, not so much because I adopted a nutritional approach to care of both myself and my patients decades ago. Why? Um, well, one thing for me personally is I have multiple sclerosis. So I really needed to do everything I could in order to optimize my own health. And part of that was eating a very healthy diet that's very rich in um, vegetables and fruits um, and, and natural foods. You know, and I've been doing that for many decades. Also, I have many years' experience working with patients with HIV-AIDS. The first thing that virus does when it gets in the body is search out all the immune cells there are in the body. 60% of your immune system is in your intestinal tract. And so every person, even if they're well managed with our newer medications for HIV-AIDS, which can keep the virus undetectable in the blood, it's still in the intestinal tract. And it's still making difficulties. It's causing problems with their absorption and, and utilization of nutrients. You are definitely an early adapter, uh, but sometimes that's the most powerful way to go at it when you have your own personal um, connection to, to a need for nutritional care. And I'm sure your patients really appreciate that because they know that you understand why they're asking. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are also a lot of physicians out there who were clinicians um, who get frustrated when they get asked these questions in part because they don't have the training. Um, and so I hope that what we're doing here at GW and what we're trying to do on this podcast by talking about nutrition can help get past some of that frustration and get to a more comfortable place like where you are. Exactly. And to be able, you don't have to have all the answers. We don't have all the answers, but we at least know some steps. Um, for example, one of the things that you broach with our students is going through some of the major dietary things that people do, the DASH diet, the Mediterranean diet, the keto, whatever that thing is, <laughs> um, all those different diets that people are, you know, this diet, that diet, what's the difference and what do we know about them? Right. You know, what's the science? What's the science as we know it right now mm -hmm. and what are people looking into going forward? Yeah, absolutely. And which diet works for which condition? Yeah, right. When we have keto data. is apparently good for diabetes, but not so good for other things. Depends. I would argue that a lot of that's it's more uh, individual dependent, and you right. really need to talk to your patient about what their current lifestyle is like and what might be feasible for them. Exactly. So talking to a patient. So a lot of my patients. One of the issues I have to deal with, and we can talk about how we weave this into our curriculum too, is a lot of my patients that I see with HIV-AIDS um, live in a part of Washington that's a food desert. Mm. They don't have access to healthy fruits and vegetables. They don't have access to good foods. And so if you're starting from a place of McDonald's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, mm -hmm. a lot of sodas, you're going to approach that in a different way. Right. You're not going to prescribe a keto diet to that patient. Yeah. No, it's just not going to work. But what little steps can you do? You know, so we talk about that in terms of case studies. The other thing we do is in another course that my colleague Howard Straker teaches, um, we talk a lot about health inequities. Um, and one, you know, a lot of those are structural. And so that issue of food desert um, he has a an exercise the students do where they attempt to live on what they would be getting in a SNAP program in terms of... Oh, that's eye-opening. 
Yeah, there would be no more Starbucks on there. <laughs> Which is probably good for them anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's one of the things that I, um, when I came to GW, I was really impressed by. Because it's difficult to counsel your patients about improving their diet if you don't really know the limitations. And I think living on a SNAP allowance for even a day can be eye-opening in a way that would be very powerful as a clinician. And, and they attempt to do it for a week. Almost nobody gets that far. <laughs> Which is telling, and that's, that's important. So can, can the both of you tell us a little bit about how the curriculum is designed? So for the, the course that you are a section director, Susan had some, some design before I got there, and then we've come to collaborate to, to kind of update it and, and hopefully make it a little bit more applicable, but still really based in the science um, the yep. first the first day where where it's more of your traditional we, we don't use the word lecture here at GW because we don't like it to be lecture it's all active learning we're presenting a little bit of information we're going to question them we're going to engage them but it is a more lecture style so we're giving them that background that Susan was talking about the different dietary patterns what we know about them in terms of the evidence um, and get them thinking for day two when we really dive into the nitty gritty which is case based. So here's your patient, here's what they ask you, or here's what they bring to the table in terms of their condition or resources, and how are you going to manage that? We let them work that out. Yeah, which has been really fruitful because they look at it from different perspectives, each one of them, and they're all bringing that into into that classroom or having a discussion about what might be the best approach. And there may not be a best approach. There could be multiple different ways to approach the same case. Um, and that might depend on the conversations you have with the patient, like we were saying earlier. So can you give me an idea of this PA week curriculum? Is this more or less than your average MD slash PA student is receiving I in the U.S.? think it's probably way more. I would agree it, with that. It's not a lot, um, but one of the things is it gives, one of the things that we try to do is utilize stuff they have had previously. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in their biochemistry class that they get in the summer when they first come into the program, there are aspects of that that include nutrition. They talk about the lipids, and they talk it, about it from a, a very chemistry viewpoint. This is how this interacts with that. Mm -hmm. This is what happens if you put this into the system. Um, and, and so they have a couple pieces of it there. But that's is, frequently what you would see in your traditional healthcare. Exactly. That's what all and they would get would be the biochemistry. Oh, okay. Which is important, but it's not highly applicable to the clinic. And well, that's you the do problem. With that. yeah. Right, exactly. Um, and then as we go through, we do try to as we get to different sections, for example, in the cardiovascular section, well, they're talking about hypertension. They're talking about hyperlipidemia. Um, if and when I have an opportunity within that context to, to throw in, well, you know, by the way, and one of the first things I give them as we talk about diets is here's the data. I have a session with them where we talk about behavior change. And one of the examples I use is how do you approach behavior change in terms of diet and exercise? Give them just a very baseline of data, but show them the data that shows DASH diet lowers blood pressure better than most medications. Not I love that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so try and get those eight servings of 
fruits and or vegetables in. That's right. That's Eight right. to 12. More if you can. It's a good goal. And, and it's good for them to be thinking about that because I think the traditional curriculum, that thought would never even cross their mind. And right. so when they get into the clinic and a patient presents with hypertension, the first thing they do is a medication, which may not be appropriate. It yeah. may be that the first line of defense should be diet, nutrition, and lifestyle medicine. Um, so And then we do it during GI week. But then that allows us when their next section is endocrine, they're talking about diabetes not only must they talk about diet in relation to diabetes because it has to be there, but they're asking the questions now because mm. they've been introduced to it. So they're much more likely to say, but that patient lives over here on the other side of the river and they don't have access to that stuff. What are you going to help them with there? Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. The students are driving it now because we've given them that introduction. Exactly. And we've given them the the. Under, enough understanding that they feel ready to, to broach it. Mm-hmm. Well, and if they're ready to broach it now while they're still in school, they're definitely going to be ready when they get out there. So that's fantastic. So everyone find a GWPA for your primary care physician. That's right. <laughs> so I'm just really inspired by, by the work that you're both doing, because to me, um, as someone who is more patient focused in that I'm not a clinician, uh, but I am a healthcare consumer. Um, I'm well aware of the um, lack of nutrition education uh, that your average um, MD or PA receives. And then I look at what we have going on here at GW with the culinary medicine elective and um, the, our new uh integrative medicine master's degree with a concentration in nutrition and uh, the latest news as as we all know is that Dr. Timothy S. Harlan who is a leader in um, culinary medicine is going to be joining uh, the GW faculty and he's going to also be establishing the GW Center for Culinary Medicine which is fantastic news. And I have to say, I'm already on his books for a visit when he gets here because I want to help him do whatever he wants to do because that's exactly where we need to go is more towards this preventative medicine. And culinary medicine is a a large piece in that. Nutrition, having that understanding of nutrition, but then also being able to tell your patients how can they make food from the corner store. Well, okay, you got to get some rice and some beans, and then maybe you get some rotel. And there, it's and not, I know there's dandelions in that yard behind your house. There you go. <laughs> right. It, we we can put a whole meal Pull together. Pull up those greens. Oh yeah. But you might have to actually instruct them in how to cook. And there are clinics popping up all over the country where that's part of the care that you receive. You you see the physician, they talk with you, and then you go and you go into a kitchen and you cook a meal, which just sounds wonderful to me. I would love to work in a clinic like that. So for all you medical students who are on the waiting list for the culinary medicine elective, there is hope. <laughs> have right. hope. It's coming. Okay, that's all the time we have for today. Dr. Lillashur, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. This is the GW Integrative Medicine Podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Lee Frame. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks, Thanks for listening. listening.